0: The Spirit of God moves in quiet and mysterious ways. In and through us, like the breath we breathe. He's always been there, using our broken past for His purpose. Only look back to remember when He provided for you. He's here, now, moving in our midst. Live in his present, be a light, and leave behind where he was to follow his lead. He's waiting for you to step out in faith and into the unknown to join him. Trust him with your future and fear not, for he is with you pulling you from the darkness and carrying you into his light. Rejoice in confidence as you watch him transform the spaces around you and rest in his perfect peace. For he is with us.
1: men of the U.S. Army's elite 75th Ranger Regiment were strapped into a handful of C-141 Starlifter military aircraft. Their mission would be to seize a handful of airfields as well as a base camp in support of Operation Just Cause, a U.S. military operation that would depose of Panama's dictator Manuel Noriega. Now, to say there was heaviness on board the aircraft is an understatement. There was heaviness physically in that every single ranger packed about 100 to 150 pounds of extra equipment, weapons, and ammunition. But there was also a, a, a an emotional heaviness on board that aircraft. You see, they'd be jumping into a combat zone. They would be jumping in the middle of the night, and on top of that, they'd be jumping at 500 feet, an extremely low altitude. So low that if their parachute, their main parachute, did not open they wouldn't have time to pull their reserve. So, I I asked a couple of my friends who were on that operation, I said, did you have any rangers who froze in the door? That's when they put them in the door to jump and that green light went off and they refused to jump and they said, absolutely not. When that green light went off, their training kicked in and they stepped into the darkness not knowing what the future would hold. Think about that phrase, stepping into the darkness not knowing what the future would hold. Some of you are there right now. This is your first Christmas that you've lost a loved one and and that loved one is not there with you. And you've got this fear of Christmas's future. You, 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 You have to step into the darkness, not knowing what the future will hold. Some of you may have just lost your job. And with that, you can't even put toys under the tree, not even food on the table. You're stepping into the darkness. You fought that cancer for years. You've beaten that cancer, and now it's back with a vengeance. You start another regimen of chemo and radiation. You're stepping into the darkness. COVID, climate change, inflation, Wars, rumors of wars, all these things swirling in the news and it raises your anxiety levels and you're looking at a future with a lot of fear and it begs a question. Where do you go for your security when you fear the future? Such is what we're going to talk about today. In fact, if you get anything at all out of today's teaching, get this. When Jesus is your security, you can step into the darkness in confidence. When Jesus is your security, you can step into the darkness in confidence. Well, God's got a whole lot to say about that. As we wrap up our Christmas series called Christmas Past, Christmas Present, Christmas Future, it's in this series in which we're taking a twist on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And if you may remember from A Christmas Carol, Christmas Future is all about a fear of the future. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be hanging out in one main place of Scripture, Psalm 46, 11 powerful verses that help us when we have a fear of the future. future. Uh, turn to Psalm 46. Let me set the scene for what's going on because we have to understand the context of this psalm to apply it well in our lives. Psalm 46, turn to it. Here we go. Go back 2,000 years ago. Jesus is born in a manger. We celebrate that in just a handful of days. Jesus steps down from his throne into the dirt, walks in the dirt for 33 years. He goes to the cross. He dies. He's buried. He's resurrected. That resurrection is more important than Christmas. Without that resurrection, our faith is meaningless. Now, go 700 years before Jesus. Israel is split into two kingdoms. You have a northern kingdom, which has been taken over by an Assyrian king, an evil king by the name of Sennacherib. Sennacherib's also a military leader, and he's taken over all of the northern kingdom. He's exiled a big majority of the northern kingdom to his own territories. And now he's encroached into the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom has 46 cities taken over by Sennacherib. On top of that, he's taken 200,000 captives and he has 185,000 Strat troops surrounding Jerusalem. The southern kingdom's led by a great king, a great godly king. His name is Hezekiah. Uh, Hezekiah has an incredible prophet who's his spiritual guide. His name is Isaiah. Isaiah writes more about the coming Messiah, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection than any other prophet in the Bible. Hezekiah knows that his goose is cooked. 185,000 troops have surrounded Jerusalem. They're outmanned, they're outgunned, and so he calls for a national day of prayer and fasting. And then he goes to Isaiah and says, I need you, we need you to intercede to God for us. And Isaiah does. And in the words of the great theologian Forrest Gump, on that day, God showed up, and 185,000 troops die in the speed of a thought. The angel of the Lord rids Hezekiah and Israel of that problem. Hezekiah, in his 14th year of reign, uh, and now has another 15 years to lead Judah and the southern kingdom. So with that background... An unknown priest writes Psalm 46 and probably Psalm 47 and Psalm 48. So Psalm 46, that's what we're going to be digging into today. Remember that main thought. When Jesus is your security, you can step into the darkness in confidence. You guys ready to go? All right, here we go. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Some of your translations say in times of trouble. So he says, God's three things right out of the bat. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our ever-present help. He's our refuge. That means we can go to him at any time for safety, that he is our safe place we can go. He's our strength. When you're going through the darkness, when you're stepping into the darkness, you run out of strength. And God gives us that emotional, physical, and spiritual strength. And he's our ever present help. That means he's with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can go to him when our world is rocked, when the bottom falls out. Those are good things. But then this unknown priest says, in trouble, or in times of trouble. He's speaking to God's chosen people, and we have to understand that all of us here are going to go through trouble in our lives, no matter how much we serve, no matter how good we are, no matter how well we treat puppies, or even May I say it, cats? (laughs) No matter what we do with with helping the poor, helping the oppressed, how much we tithe, how much we serve, we are all going to go through trouble. And so God is there for us. But the question is, when we go through trouble in our lives, in whom do we trust or in what do we trust? David would write in Psalm 20 verse seven, he would say, some trust in chariots and some in horses, But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now understand that David had an incredible army, an army with a lot of strong chariots and a whole lot of strong horses. But David also knew that he couldn't trust in them only. He had to first and foremost trust in God. And why is that? Because we're all going to have trouble. Hours before Jesus would go to the cross, where he would step into darkness that we can't even fathom. When Jesus goes to the cross to be crushed for our iniquity, just a handful of hours before that, he's talking to his disciples. And in John 16, verse 33, he says these words. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble you're going to have COVID, you're going to have floods, you're going to have inflation, you're going to have cancer, you're going to have people dying too young, good people suffering from bad things. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So with this, Jesus gives us a warning. In the world, all of us are going to face trouble. None of us are immune to darkness. But he says, the promise is, take heart, I've overcome the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And something that we have to get into our minds as we deal with darkness in our lives is we have to default to Christ. We have to default to Christ as we step into the darkness. I'm gonna talk about that more at the end of today's teaching. But we have to train our minds to go to Christ when we're in the darkness. So as you step into the darkness, do you trust in chariots and horses or do you trust in Christ first and foremost? So this unknown priest kicks it off. He says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in times of trouble. Then verses two and three, he kicks it off with therefore, therefore. Because he's our refuge and strength, our ever-present help, therefore, we will not fear. Let me say that again. We will not fear. Though, circle that right, even if next to it in your Bible. Though, the earth give way. That means tsunamis are going to happen. Floods are going to happen and change the landscape. Volcanoes, earthquakes, all of these things are going to happen. Get ready for it. Though the earth give way. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though, circle that again, right? Even if next to it in your Bible. Its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging silah. Circle silah. Let's talk about those words. Every time I see the word though... In Scripture, I think even if, even if, and that's what's going on here. Even if, even if the earth give way, even if the worst thing can happen, we're not going to fear. I've spoken about this many, many times from here, uh, the battlefield of what if versus even if. For those of you who have heard this many times, don't fall asleep. It's a great refresher. For those of you who have never heard this, take heed of this because it's so important when you're facing a fear of the future. Whenever we step into the darkness, whenever we have an unquestionable or a a time of of, uh, questionable future, what's coming up, we can have fear and we can what if. We enter a battlefield of what if versus even if. And we can what if a bunch of different scenarios. Quick example, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, We've got some abnormalities in your blood work. I want to do some more tests. And then she shares with you some things that are going on in her mind, what it could be. So, what you do is you go home and you get on WebMD <laughs> and you start Googling a bunch of stuff. Your heart rate goes up. You're what ifing, what ifing, and what ifing all these different scenarios. Within 24 hours, you're calling Pastor Bob saying, I need you to officiate my funeral. It's probably going to be t- tomorrow, maybe today. Help me. And it's not bad to do the what-if scenarios. It's really not. It's okay to look at the the worst-case scenario. But we have to understand that it's not the battle of what-if that's going to get us through the difficult times. It's the trust of God even if. Even if those things happen. Even if the worst thing happens or has happened, God has you and he will walk with you. So this psalmist, uh, this unknown priest says, though the earth should change, or even if the earth should change, even if the waters roar and foam. So in the Hebrew mindset, when you start seeing waters roaring and foaming, what they think of is a deep, dark mystery. And that mystery is usually death. And he says, even if the waters roar and foam, we're not going to fear. And why? Go back to verse 1. God is our refuge, our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. And then he says this weird word, Silah, Silah. Say it with me, Silah, Silah. Breathe it out, Silah. See, the Jewish people would put these psalms to music. And as they would sing these psalms in the temple, they're all standing, they're singing these psalms, and when they hit Silah, they would take a break. Selah means a break. It means an interlude. It's a musical term. And they would go down on their knees, and it's as if they were on their knees worshiping God, looking up and out with their hearts. So back when I was in special forces, I was a company commander. That was one of my jobs. And, and we would throw perfectly good paratroopers out of perfectly, okay, not so perfectly good, but good paratroopers out of perfectly good airplanes. I, I love doing that. I love jumping out of airplanes with my men. I landed on my head too many times. I'm a sick man. Explains a lot about my life. But what would happen is as a company commander, I would get these new paratroopers coming, coming out of the U.S. Army Airborne School, they would have five jumps. We called them five jump chumps. And when they would show up into our unit, I wanted to make sure when we jumped, they would be the first ones in the door in the aircraft when we would jump and so I could give them confidence, not only in themselves, but in their equipment confident in the unit that they're jumping with. And I would always tell the paratrooper, I'm saying, I say, listen, I'm going to put you in the door. You're going to stand in the door. When that green light goes off, I'm going to slap you on the bottom and you're going to jump. But here's the thing. I want you to look up and I want you to look out. I want you to breathe. Don't look down. If you look down, you're going to freeze in the door. And when that happens, you're going to walk with a limp for two or three days because my boot is going to be into your bottom really hard because you're going to jump. I'm helping you with confidence. Do you understand? Yes, sir. (laughs) My point is, is that when we step into the darkness, it can be like we're that paratrooper standing in the door for the first time in a real unit. And we're looking down and we see nothing but darkness and fear. And what God tells us to do is look up and look out and breathe to see La. Verses 4 through 7. This unknown priest continues in the story. He says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now that river, or that city of God is is Jerusalem, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. So remember the context. Sennacherib has taken over all these kingdoms all around them. There's a lot of fear. He writes, God will help her at the break of day. The angel of the Lord kills 185,000 troops at dawn. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He, God, lifts his voice, the earth melts. And then look at this. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Jerusalem is one of those ancient cities built in the Middle East a few thousand years ago, several thousand years ago, that's not built on a river. And that's a problem because if you would have somebody like Sennacherib come and surround your city, guess what would happen? You couldn't get water and you would soon die. You can can last without food longer than you can last without water. Well, as I said earlier, King Hezekiah was a good godly king, a very wise man. And he commissioned several, a whole lot of laborers to dig into the rock and dig an underground tunnel 2,000 feet long from the spring of Gihon outside of Jerusalem to the pool of Siloam inside Jerusalem. And that would then give the people water. The pool of Siloam, that's where Jesus heals a blind man in John chapter 9. So they've got water to come into the city. That's when he says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That's what he's referring to. But we can also use this as a reference point For Jesus, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus, and this is one of those things. You fast forward to Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles for the Jewish people is a seven-day feast, a seven-day celebration that celebrates God's protection in the darkness. It also celebrates God with us. The Lord is with us. Go to John 7, verses 37 to 38. John records this. On the last and greatest day of the feast, that's the feast of tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, look at this, streams of living water, the river, as streams of living water will flow from within him. So what, what Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit quenches us when we're in those difficult times. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is our guide. And so he gives us these streams of living water for us to survive. But there's another part to this too. Those streams of living water allow us to bless others even when, and sometimes especially when, we're in the darkness. Now, let me be clear about something. When you're in the darkness, you're you're suffering a panic attack, you're in the depths of depression, you can't do anything but try to breathe. But there comes a time in your season of grief or in your season that you're in that you need to be able to stand up and be a blessing to others, to be streams of living water to others, Quick example of that. A handful of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Santiago at Hosanna Church down in Mount Vernon. It's a Hispanic church that we've just fallen in love with. Uh, we love Pastor Santiago, Claudia, his wife, and their kids. Uh, we support them just with prayer and love. They're just great people. Pastor Santiago got COVID, and he was hospitalized. He was on oxygen. So we said, okay, for the next four weeks, we're going to provide a preaching pastor for their, their English service. Week one, Pastor Brian, week two was me, week three, Pastor Scotty, week four, Pastor Bill. And we preached at Hosanna Church, just a great church. Well, Pastor Brian was preaching there week one, and from his hospital room, Pastor Santiago is watching the service. When the service is done, he texts Brian these words. He said, after watching our Sunday service online from the hospital, my doctor walked in and saw that I was having a moment. So I asked if I could pray for him. Now, Santiago's on oxygen. He's fighting for his life here. He, the doctor, kindly accepted. And with tears filling his eyes, he felt the presence of Christ. Look at this. In the presence of my storm. That's streams of living water. And then he writes, the Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That means we can go with him. That the Lord Almighty is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Pastor Bob preached on this last weekend. If you didn't see the whole sermon about Emmanuel, God with us, go back and look at it because it's a solid sermon. The Lord is with us. And we got to remember that, that when we're in the darkness, we don't fight alone. And then he says, Selah, Selah, breathe, take a break. Get on your knees. Look up and look out. And remember who's on the throne. That's Jesus. And who's supposed to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. And he oftentimes takes us to those really dark places for his good and perfect will. Selah. Verses 8 and 9. Come and see the works of the Lord. Okay, so now then he's going to start looking at the evidence of God showing up. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation He, God, has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Hang on just a second. That word spear can also be translated as chariots. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. He burns the shields with fire. He's saying, look at the evidence. God is sovereign. He's always shown up for you, for, for, for the Jewish people. He's always shown up. He's gonna show up again. And it's so important for us when we step into, dar- into the darkness to look at the evidence. To look at the evidence when we step into the darkness. Look at where God has shown up in our lives. Some of you right now may be saying, I've never had God show up in my life. Let me tell you, if you are here right now, if you're attending online and you're breathing and you're understanding this, you're on this side of the dirt, that's God showing up. Philippians 4 verse 13 is a very, very popular verse. And the Apostle Paul, when he writes this verse, he's writing it from prison. And he's looking back on his past and he's looking ahead into the future and he knows it's a dark future. He says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as we step into any darkness. We always have to remember when God has shown up in our lives to give us that strength. I truly believe that if life is worth living, life is worth recording. In the front of my Bible, I, I've got 13 marks now, 13 situations in date dates when God has shown up in a very, very powerful way. He's shown up in ways I, don't, I, I, I can't even comprehend and don't even know about. But there are 13 of them right now that, that are in the front of my Bible and I go back to those whenever I step into darkness or I have some uh, uncertainty about the future and I can look at the evidence. I can remember when Christ has shown up. Then we get to verse 10. I want to spend a couple minutes on verse 10 because it's real important. There's a main interpretation of verse 10 that's a solid interpretation, but there's also another interpretation that we can bypass that's just as important and works with the two interpretations work together. So let's look at this. The the priest has been speaking all this time. Now then, God's going to speak. Very popular verse. Here we go. Verse 10, Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted, that means I'm gonna be lifted up, I'm gonna be honored, I'm gonna be worshiped. I'll be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted on the earth. And probably all of us who've heard this verse, uh, when, when we're at a time of darkness, a time when everything's falling to crud, we can, we can start freaking out and God says, no, 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 be still, I've got this, trust me, know that I am God. That's a solid interpretation, don't lose that interpretation, great interpretation. But there's more to it than that. That's God speaking to his chosen people. What if, what if he's speaking to the enemies of his people? Remember the context. Sennacherib has surrounded Jerusalem. Now, they're getting ready to do urban combat. Whenever you do urban combat, it's very complex. It's very, very difficult. The chances of casualties are extremely high. So Sennacherib is planning. He's striving Some of your translations say, cease striving and know that I am God. It's God talking first to the enemy, not to us, and He's saying, knock it off. Knock it off. Not my people. Knock it off. Be still and know that I'm God, Sennacherib, not you. You see, King Sennacherib had a a God complex. He actually thought he was God. and after all of his troops are kershpankled and he goes back home with his tail between his legs, he shows up at his pagan temple worshiping a pagan god and his sons come in and assassinate him. It's like God saying, hey, who's God and who's not now? Sennacherib. So a good interpretation of this is God is talking to the enemy saying, knock it off. Not my daughter, not my son, Not my family. Be still and know that I am God. And that should give us hope that God rebukes the enemies in our lives, physically, emotionally, and specifically spiritually, when we're stepping into the darkness. He rebukes. Jesus did the same. If you go back to Mark chapter 4, or go ahead to Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat and they're gonna go across a lake. Now if I were a disciple, I wouldn't have as much faith as those disciples had because every time they get in the boat, there's a storm, something freaky happens. Peter Moon walks on water, then he's drowning, then Jesus shows up, we're going, Ah, it's a ghost, but it's Jesus, and he throws them into the boat, and they're all wet and they're going, What just happened? I'm like, I'm not getting in that boat. But he says, No, get in the boat. Mark 4, verses 37 through 40, Mark writes these words. He records this incident. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Come on, you guys have been there. I know I have. You're in the middle of that darkness. Uh, the worst thing has happened to you or something bad has happened. You're, you're like, God, come on, throw me a bone. Help me out here. My, my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. They're bouncing off the clouds. Give me something because I'm dying right here. Look what happens. He, Jesus, got up. He rebuked, circle that word. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, Be still. Rebuked. It's the same word Jesus uses to rebuke demons. In other words, he's saying to the enemy, knock it off. Knock it off. Not my disciples. Knock it off. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, the disciples were in the battle. The battle of what if versus even if. And it's as if Jesus is saying, guys, come on, don't you know that even if the worst thing happens, as long as I'm in your boat, listen to this, as long as I'm in your boat, you're going to be okay. You're going to get wet. You're going to get seasick. It's going to be ugly. You may get an orb banging you on the side of the head, but I've got you. So back to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And that should give us comfort. It's as if it's it's God telling us that when everything is breaking loose in our lives, calm down. Don't be that paratrooper standing in the door looking into the darkness frozen. Don't hyper-focus on the problem. It's, It's called perseverating. We gotta beware of problem perseverating when we step into the darkness. That means we hyper-focus on the problem, we lose track of reality, but more important, we lose track of who holds reality together. And so what happens is, we start relying and trusting on our own chariots and horses. We rely first and foremost on our abilities. Abilities are good things. God gives us abilities to affect the fight. He gives us abilities to build his kingdom. We can rely on our bank accounts. Money's a good thing. Listen, it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. We can rely on science, technology, medicine, all good things, but they can't be the first thing. They can't be the main thing because when they are the main thing, they become an idol. And we know what God says about idols. They're chariots, and horses—they are good things that we can use, but we have to go to back, go back to Jesus as our security. Finding security in Jesus means we stop finding security in everything else. Finding security in Jesus, going to Him first, means we stop finding all of our security in all of those other good things that we can use, but they're not the greatest thing. And then he wraps it up with verse eleven. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. The Lord Almighty is with us, then he repeats verse 7, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And it's two bookends, two bookends on this this amazing psalm. It starts out that God is our refuge, our fortress, our strength, our fortress, our ever-present help when we're surrounded. He is our fortress. He ends it with that. But he says, the Lord, the Lord Almighty is with us. Christianity is the only religion of all the religions in the world in which the founder of that religion steps down from his throne and is born in a manure-filled stable to an unwed teenager who would walk the dirt for 33 years coming for a people who would betray him who would crucify him, who would go to the cross for our sins because he wants to set the record straight and get it right so we can have a relationship with the God who loves us. No other religion is like that. Emmanuel, God with us. We've seen it throughout this entire series. Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. The beautiful thing is that God is with us, that we don't fight these battles alone. God is with us. And Jesus is our true silah. He's our true break in whatever's going on. He's our true peace. He is the light of the world. And as I look at this psalm, I see three situations, one response. Situation number one, when nature is in uphe- upheaval, the response, don't fear, God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we're celebrating in just a couple of days. Situation number two, When you're under attack, response, don't fear. God is with us. And then last but not least, situation number three, you look back, the battle's done, and you got this carnage everywhere, and you're like, who is going to clean up this mess in my life? The response, don't fear. Don't fear. God is with us. I once heard a pastor say these words. He said, God proved his solidarity with suffering when he entered the human race born in a manger. That's Jesus. Jesus turns off the darkness. And you only need a little bit of light when there's a really dark place to give you hope. Hope for Christmas future. So, what I want to do is I wrap up today. I want to give us some, some uh, tools that we can put in our toolkit. None of this stuff is in your, your sermon notes. so You're going to have to go old school and write it down because what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about overcoming fear, the battle of the head and the heart. Overcoming fear, the battle of the head and the heart because the two work together. Let's start out with the battle of the head or the battlefield of the mind. Three things, three things when you're, you're, you're in the battle of the mind. First thing, the first thing is that facts are your friends. Facts are are your friends. When you step into any type of darkness, you have to make sure that you have the proper data. Because if you have the wrong facts and think they're truth, they can take you, your family, and others down a wrong road. So make sure you have the right facts. Facts are your friends. Number two, what does the Bible say about those facts? You take those facts and you filter them through God's Word. God's Word is amazing. In God's Word, He gives us principles. Principles that apply to every area in our lives. So how do the the facts apply to God's Word? Or how does God's Word speak into those facts? See, you can't truly know who God is without God's Word. And you can't really know who you are. The good, the bad, and come on, face it, guys, the ugly, without God's Word. He pushes against you when you sit in His Word. He shows you truths. He encourages you. So facts, scripture, last but not least, third thing, battlefield of the mind, train your mind to go to even if. Because what happens is our minds are, through a fallen world, we're ready to go to what if, we're trained to go to what if, we do what if all of the time. God gives us stressors every single day that allows us to train our minds to go to even if. You go to Walmart, what if I don't get my parking spot? I'm going to have to walk all the way across that parking lot. And then what if they don't have my PlayStation, are we up to five now? PlayStation 5, Nintendo 64, Atari, what if? And God says, no, train your mind, even if, even if. And so all those little things that happen, those little stressors, we train our minds to even if. Then when we step into the darkness, guess what? It's moved from your mind into your heart. Three things for the battle of the heart, very quickly. Three things. First of all, believe. Believe. Believe in in God's promises. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have all of his problems. You're in the darkness. Believe. Go back and look at the evidence of where God has shown up in your life. Secondly, release. Release control through prayer. God, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand why you had this outcome in my family or in my life. I don't get it. And quite frankly, I don't like it, but I trust in you. So I'm just gonna release. And you may have to do that 10,000 times a day so you can breathe. So you believe and you release. And then last but not least, even if. Even if the worst thing happens, I trust you. Or even if the worst thing in my life has happened and I don't understand it and I'm a train wreck right now, I can look into the future knowing that you hold the future together even when I'm hanging on to my faith with my fingernails. Even if. So back to those army rangers, when they jumped into Panama, they stood in the door and they, and they jumped out and executed the operation. Now, they didn't just jump on, got the alert and jump on the airplanes and rolled. No, they had been rehearsing that, what they would be doing in contact on the ground. They had, you always rehearse your actions in the aircraft, then your actions on the ground. And when they stood in the door, the green light went off and they stepped into the darkness. What was in their head, all the training was moved down into their hearts. And guess what? Several rangers died in that operation. But here's the thing, the point of that is the way we think it should turn out, the way we think it should be, the way we think God should act, he's not obliged to go by the way we think he should act. Our job is to trust in him as we step into the darkness, that he holds all things together and that he will take care of you, your family, and what's best for you and his perfect will, even when we don't understand it. Okay, I gotta give you guys a challenge. Here's your challenge, your challenge this week is to memorize scripture, memorize scripture. I've said it before, it's gonna be a challenge many, many more times when I preach. Memorize scripture. Start with Psalm 46, one, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And then memorize a verse a week, maybe memorize this entire Psalm, it's a great one to get into your heart. And if you want to go to a place that has a a hundred verses you can memorize, doing one a week, just Google top 100 most read Bible verses. Uh, Warning, John 11 verse 35, Jesus wept is not one of those memory verses in there. Sorry. Get it into your mind. And as you step into the darkness, it will move down into your heart. Folks, all of us, all of us are going to go through times of darkness. But with Jesus as our security, we can step into the darkness in confidence. Skadj, i gonna turn you guys over to Pastor Scott. So looking forward to Thursday's Christmas Eve Eve services in the Skadge. For those of you attending online, don't click off just yet because if you are going through darkness right now, we in Bellingham wanna be praying for you. So there's a special button they created for this weekend. I want Pastor Kip to pray for me button. I feel so special. If you are going through something right now though, I want you to click on that button. For those of you here in Bellingham, If any of you are in darkness right now, or if you know someone who is in darkness and you want to stand for them, I want you to stand and we're going to pray for you. You don't have to say anything. We want you to stand. Okay? So if you're going through darkness right now, please stand. And if you're unable to stand, raise your hand. We want to pray for you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. You hold all things together especially when our world's fallen apart. And I pray for these folks standing right now. I pray for those online who, who clicked on that button. They need you right now, Lord. Show your presence to them. Holy Spirit, enter their lives in a special way and give them comfort, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Give them wisdom to make those tough decisions. courage, courage, To lean into you every day and just to breathe, to be able to stand up and and, and walk just a half step forward. Emotional physical and spiritual strength to deal with whatever is going on in their lives. The patience to wait on you God, you're a good God. Compassion. Compassion for others, keeping their their hearts soft knowing that you have them in the palms of your nail-pierced hands. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.